Welcome to the Sandy Savage Show. This is your place to find hope, inspiration, encouragement, and we're going to talk a ton about how to overcome challenges in your life and walk in the freedom of who you are created to be. I'm your host, Sandy Savage, and I'm a ninth generation Kentuckian, a wife, recently became a first-time mom at the age of 50. (laughs) I'm the author of my upcoming memoir, Savage Path, a speaker, and above all, I love the Lord. I am so glad that you are here with us today. Let's get started. Well, hey, everybody out there. This is Sandy Savage. Welcome to the Sandy Savage Show. I hope y'all are having a fantastic day. And listen, I have such a treat for you all today. I have somebody on here that I just care so deeply about. And I cannot wait for you all to meet him. If you don't know him yet, you are just going to love him too. Uh, I am talking about my friend, Justin McCarty, Justin McCarty, <laughs> we um we love you a ton, and I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast. I, you know, Justin, I was thinking back and going, how long has it been that I've known you? And it was 2002, which was 20 years, wow. and then you go. Let me grab my Metamucil. How old are we? we <laughs> I mean, we're only 30, right? So how, how is it that we've known each other for 20 actual years? Uh, but it's been 20 years. And he has seen me go through lots of uh, different twists and turns in my journey. And I've gotten to watch him uh, be able to dive into tons of different stuff and put his hands to a lot of different things. And just follow along on that faith journey of where he has been and where he is going. So I wanted to have a conversation with him today and bring him on here to talk to you all. So first, I just want to give my people a little bit of an idea of who you are and what you do now. Uh, and some of the other things that you've done before. So Justin, why don't you, like, I just feel like you're the best person to fill everybody in on. So like, who is Justin McCarty? And what are you, what are you, what are you putting your hands to right now? Ah, who is Justin McCarty? That is a good question. I'm working on that one myself, but (laughs) uh, thank you. It is fun to be here getting to have this conversation with you. We, like you said, we've had a lot of conversations over the years, but it's fun to get to to be a part of this, your podcast with you and, and, uh, and kind of talk about where we are at this point, 20 years in, 20 years in, that's crazy. Um, Ridiculous. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so uh, just a little bit about uh, where I am, or at least the journey that got me here. Um, Let's see, we met uh, through a church that we were a part of. Both of us were volunteers at the time. I ended up as a pastor for many years uh, against uh, all odds uh, (laughs) because my dad was a pastor. It was like the last thing I ever wanted to do at one point in time, but it became a very fun life-giving part of my life for many years, uh, then became one of the most hard and difficult gut-wrenching experiences of my entire life, which yes. we can talk about if you want to. Yeah. But that has also, you know, it's all part of the story. Like it's it's amazing. And you know this better than anybody in, in so many respects of even some of the darkest places, 
God uses that and resurrects beautiful things out of that. And I feel like I've been living in that for the last few years um, of kind of like bumping into different parts of what God's doing in different aspects of his kingdom, getting to meet people I never would have expected along the way. Uh, at the present moment, it has landed me in the work of disaster relief, which was never on my radar. Yeah. Um, but I, I, having lived through a few disasters, both uh, personally and socially, <laughs> as well as physically, I've been uh, recently living down in the Austin, Texas area. And we went through that whole crazy winter storm where everything was like three degrees and snowing and ice and power was out and the whole energy grid almost failed. You know, that was fun. <laughs> um, never expected to see that level of oh cold gosh. in Austin, Texas, but, no. um, but now we're, uh, we just made the move, uh, to, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And, and like I said, I've been working on disaster relief stuff with a great group that was based there in Austin, but we've been even doing some things, uh, nationally, uh, now. So it's, uh, they worked with churches a lot, but, uh, other nonprofits and groups, and it's been really cool to see, um, from a whole different vantage point, how hope comes into the middle of crisis and how people can really be helped. And really, it's fun to see kind of a redeeming aspect of how a church, um, even though I feel like I went through a disaster with the church, how a church can actually help other people through disasters, which I think is probably mm -hmm. more along the lines of what it was all really designed to be. So yeah, that's a little bit of where uh, we are today. Uh, I've got a fantastic wife, Court. Uh, we've been married just shy of uh 20 years um mm -hmm. probably about right. 18 and then we got three boys uh they are 11 9 and 4 and uh it's never quiet in our house <laughs> <laughs> that's us never quiet yes i remember your wedding like i remember you all dating oh my gosh yes uh, another story for another podcast yes yes <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you know i think that um when I founded a nonprofit some years ago, one of my biggest heart desires was to see churches and nonprofit organizations working together like that. I think that we don't have to go out and create more and more and more and more nonprofits. I think if we actually banded together with churches and nonprofits and held arms together, that so much can be accomplished. Like I, I, I really love the work that um, Disaster Relief is doing. And I think it's really cool that you've gotten to be a part of it in this season, in this past season that you've been in. Um, you, you, you broached a little bit on like having some really challenging seasons in your life. Uh, you know, and I, and I know like in your, in your history, because I know, I know a lot of that, but uh, why don't you fill people in on some of those stretch and growth opportunity seasons that you have gotten to walk through. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, to me, it all kind of falls under the category of my, my relationship with the, uh, the church has been such a odd, tumultuous, and beautiful journey. My, like I said, my dad was a pastor, so I grew up in and around church from as far as I can remember. And we didn't have great church experiences. I'll just say that growing up. My dad did his best, but uh, we, you know, we had that uh, very typical experience of smaller churches where basically all the problems of the church are ultimately the pastor's fault. And so we were sort of ushered out 
of several different church situations. And essentially my dad was fired quite suddenly over very small little things. And that left a really like bitter taste in my mouth as it relates to church. Part of the reason why I said pastor was at the bottom of the list. I just saw it as like, man, if you just want to go get steamrolled by a bunch of, you know, opinionated people who have this little, you know, 80 person kingdom in the countryside, then okay. But no, thank you. I don't really ever want to do that. Uh, And really didn't have a real clear picture of why. I mean, even though I knew all the Jesus stories and all that sort of stuff, the it wasn't real to me at all. It was about as real as Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. They were, yeah, it existed, Jesus and all those guys. But what what in the world does that have to do with my life? That was the history mm-hmm. of it. And it wasn't until college where that all really ignited for me. I really got a clear picture of who Christ was. And really, I think it was more than just a picture. It was the experience of God for myself. I've never had that. And that really was a turning point for me where I just had this sense uh, that day back in May of 1999, that if I would surrender the control of my life to Jesus, that he would do something with my life that I couldn't presently imagine. And I don't, I'd never had that thought before and it was frightening, but it was also better than anything I was working on at the present time. So I started to uh, follow Christ that day, and that's what really propelled me down a journey with church. So I ended up connecting with the church that you and I were a part of there in Lexington uh, in the early 2000s and was just playing guitar. I was uh, one of the few acoustic guitar players for some reason that they could find. (laughs) And so I played a lot of guitar and had a blast. And that was really redemptive uh, to be a part of a church that genuinely loved people and wanted people to to know Christ. And it was just kind of a energetic, you know, movement feeling sort of church to be a part of and had a blast doing that. And that's where coming on staff a few years after all that was a was a lot of fun. I was the I was the assistant pastor, which I found out later is sort of a catch-all for whatever we want you to do. And so I did everything. I mean I was I was writing dramas sometimes. I was teaching at times. I was music. I was communications. It's just like, whatever. So it was kind of fun, like on a, just getting to get exposure to a lot of different aspects of what it meant to lead people and be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in uh, 2014, we, I think of it as the uh, a crash. We just sort of crashed. We were moving fast and it was like a high speed, like <laughs> wreck is what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically just the, the leadership, uh, the founding uh, pastor and all that was way in the middle of sin and was hiding it. And it just was such a feeling of betrayal uh, personally, but also to pretty much everyone who had leveraged their life to be a part of this group. And uh, so I overnight went from being sort of the the youngest uh, executive uh, team member to being the lead pastor of that church and was, was given that fun role of Hey, can you can you set this whole thing down somewhere before we crash really hard into the ground? <laughs> you know, it was kind of like it's like a controlled or barely controlled descent is what it felt like. Right. And it was really it was super challenging. Not only were you dealing with a lot of that the woundedness mm-hmm. of people who just felt betrayed by somebody who really was uh, like a spiritual role model in many ways, mm-hmm. but the whole model and 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 sort of underlying philosophy of the church was was now being like reevaluated by everybody of like, man, this has been really, it's hurt a lot of people, which is now, you know, we feel, I feel like I hear those stories all the time. There's been so many other churches and podcasts and things that people have experienced that, but I got to experience it up close and personal. And 
for the next two years, we just sort of like bailed water is what it felt like and tried to, to care for a lot of people. And, and God really showed up and all that. And it was a healing journey in some respects, but it ended with me realizing, you know what, I'm not really going to be the long-term lead pastor. I think I essentially served the role of like an interim, which I don't think right. anybody at the time knew we needed, but we really needed one, right. somebody to kind of broach two eras, kind of be that bridge. Mm-hmm. which I realize in retrospect, when I think about what I've been doing since in all in different organizations, it's really weird how God seems to bring me in in transitional moments to kind of help want the old era get into the new era. But then mm-hmm. I leave, um, which right. has been weird. It's not what I would have thought. I wouldn't have picked that role. Uh, and it's been <laughs> very like, um, uh, like disorienting at times to go, wait a minute. Uh, and I think especially this is kind of a hard thing with churches uh, Christians, churches, maybe at least in America, we don't do a great job with endings. We don't know when something needs to end, which is why, you know, we're afraid of dying, even though we have eternal life and all like, there's just a lot of like the elements of that. And that was a big teaching for me early on, like a learning following God is like, even as things were starting to kind of level out and maybe we're going to, we're going to ride this thing out and it's going to be okay. That's when the call came like, okay, you're done. And I'm like, what? How can I be done in all this? And the 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 scripture that just came to life in that season with, was actually Jesus talking about a kernel of wheat has to be planted in the ground and die before it can bear much fruit. And there's this whole relationship with how life comes from death as you follow Christ. And so, yeah, that was an ending in my life that actually uh, provoked a lot of great life in me and my family and a whole new journey of we, you know, we bounced up to Chicago and then we ended up in Austin and I got to meet, have met so many great people and had so many experiences I never would have if I had clung to the kernel of wheat, so to speak. But now there's new life that's coming out of that. So yeah, painful experience, but, but also a really redemptive one that still seems to be unfolding to me. Oh my gosh. What do you think? You know, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more what do you think was, that was a really challenging season. So what do you think was the thing that helped you navigate that season the most in your own heart and needing to lead other people through that too? Like, what was it that you were clinging to in the middle of that in order to really navigate it well and for, for yourself and for other people that were following yeah, I think for me, it came down to just, you know, it's it was basic, but it was just like a really daily walk with God and refusing mm-hmm. to take on more um, control than I really had. Like, mm-hmm. I remember people asking me along the way, they're like, man, I bet you're not sleeping at all. And I'm like, I sleep great because <laughs> I don't, <laughs> this is not my thing. Like, this is not, it's not mine to go out and fix it. I can't, I have no idea how to fix this. And all I could do was just be as faithful as I could in the moment. And sometimes it really was like hour by hour. Like there were so many times where I'm like, I've never been in this situation in my life. I'm faced with so many layers of challenges. I'm there's so many angry people around me and there, you know, there was money involved and there was layoffs that we had to do and all this sort of stuff. And it just became like, a, all right, I just got to go back to kind of those early days of following Christ from May of 1999, of just like one foot in front of the other of, Lord, how do I be faithful right now and do the very best I can? And I, I have no illusions. I think when I look back on that, there's a lot of 
leadership growth points that needed. But there was that simple reality of like, he's just, he's with you in that. And that was really more than enough. There were so many times where I just remember walking like the street around our house, praying through something. I'm just like, I have no idea what to do here, but I know you're here. And somehow that became enough to go like, I don't, you know, I hear so many people talk about um, these days, like imposter syndrome. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I feel like I, I, I have this persona I've got to keep up or I, if, if everyone only knew, mm-hmm. I, I don't, not to say I was immune to that, but it was just like, I felt like God kind of gave me the gift of like, yeah, you have no idea what you're doing and that's okay. Like that's <laughs> right. actually, that's actually good. Kind of <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's somewhat of the antidote to the situation. It got where it got because people thought they had it under control when they didn't. And so it was just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to have to live not, not in chaos. There was, there's a difference between chaos and being kind of like open-handed. I don't have control over this, but yeah, it was just a really like trying to stay super honest uh, with God in those seasons, but also just trying to remember like in the end of the day, this isn't my thing. Like that the scriptures are really clear. Jesus is the head of his church and he, that there's only one seat there <laughs> and I was not in it. And I just am a part of this along with everybody else. And that gave me a lot of freedom to go. Like, I understand that people were looking to me at times, probably inappropriately. So because of how we had been led in the past to have an answer or to do something and all this. And I was just like, no, oh, I, I'm, that's not who I am. And that's not the way that I'm going to follow it. So it was probably pretty humbling, but I think it also probably kept it light and easy. Uh, as much as possible, I guess, on my shoulders. I think that the way that you just described that is so amazingly great and is so important to people in their daily life Mm. that we don't have to have all the answers. So even if someone, because again, all of our journeys are very different. We all have different things that have happened in our lifetime, but there are some similar threads that we can look back to and go, you know, we don't have to have all the answers. That actually is faith. That is actually what, you know, we can trust God to, he doesn't even have to show us the next step. You know, it could be that we we step somewhere and then we go, whoa, where is this supposed to go there? All right, let's go, you know. (laughs) He'll redirect you if you go somewhere wrong, trust me, you know, Uh, but I just think that even in everyday life, if that is something that we could just hold on to of going, we don't have to have the answers. We, we don't have to be the ones that um, know every single thing. I I came to terms a long time ago that there are things that are not going to be answered for me until the other side, you know, so true. So I, I don't even have to hold on to that. I don't even have to ask the question because I go, okay, I don't understand all of that. And I'm okay with not understanding it. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I, I think that probably built a, um, a deeper trust in Jesus for you. So in those next steps, like following that, even going, you know, a, a quick trip up to Chicago and then down to Austin and then, um, now you're in Kentucky. So you're, you're seeing yourself step out in faith in different things. And it reminds me a whole ton of like early church planning where 
you know, Paul didn't stay. Like go go to a city and then just stay and stay there forever. Like you plant something, you plant it, like you were talking about, the seed is planted, then it dies, and then you can't, and then you go to the next thing that you're called to, even if it yeah. you know, doesn't seem um like the logical or the smart thing that other people would tell you to do. So I know that you have gotten to step out a ton in your faith in different things. Can you talk to us a little bit about that on where have you seen yourself need to step out in faith in your own life and in your own journey or even in business or in ministry? Like where are those places that you have gotten to see yourself step out? Yeah. Um, the first one that comes to my mind. So when we landed in Austin, I was a, a step back into pastoring a great church uh, down in Austin, had a blast doing that and really thought maybe this would be like dig in here for years and years and just really enjoy it. That was that was certainly have been my pick. Um, but a little less than two years in, I had a very familiar feeling of just like that sense of like, you're just about done in this spot. And, and I was like, no, 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 I can't do that again. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but it was, it was profound. It was, it would go onto a short list of like blow your hair back moments with God, where, you know, he spoke to you. I don't have, I mean, I feel like God speaks pretty frequently but he doesn't always speak like that. And this was really clear. And it really was, you have come to the end of your journey in ministry, the way you know it, the whole being a pastor of the local church and that whole, I mean, from what I saw in my dad and all that, it's like, you're done with that. And it was like shocking, but clear. And so that was in 2019, we, uh, my you know, wife and I, we were praying about this. We both really heard that clearly. And so I, the call to faith on that was step out, both of you, because she was working part-time at the church without any safety net and no clear plan as to what comes next. And it was like, and we've got three little kids at this point. And I'm like, I have no idea. This feels, this feels irresponsible. And yet I cannot <laughs> deny uh, the sense of the Lord being in it. Now I would say it, when I look back on that, because I wouldn't necessarily recommend that as like the first step for everybody. But there's so many little steps along the way that I felt like he really had prepped us for that. But this was a, a definite like, all right, this you're going to take a bigger step this time than you've taken before. But you're also going to learn some things about me. And we really did uh, from a provision level. Uh, it was amazing. God, one of the things that we had felt kind of um, convicted about was that we had taken a salary from a church for a long time. And we just had a lot of question marks about how money was being spent at a church. And I don't mean any disrespect. I think we should pay pastors and all that. We just had a personal conviction about we've taken a lot of money from churches and we've lived off that. And he allowed us to spend it all and brought us back down to like zero. It's like he reset our finances. Literally, before I started the next non-church related job, we were looking at do we, how are we going? We don't have mortgage money. We don't have a lot like we were right at the edge and that's where he then provided a, a, a very uh, a very uh, significant pay cut in my job and we started over and it was outside of church it was about you know leadership and the local community and all that sort of stuff but that was an like both of us look back on that we're like that lesson goes with us forever like we we have seen god call us out into what looked like craziness we watched it all seem to dwindle to zero. And then 
he has now built our lives back up. You know, we moved. So the, so here's the other end of that story, which we didn't know until recently. But when we moved here to Kentucky, we, we were selling the house that we ended up, you know, we bought there in Austin. And real estate prices over the last year have been crazy, but they were the craziest where we were living. And the level of blessing that God brought to our life is shocking given where we were. And it's just, it was like this big exclamation point at the end of that whole journey of like, look what I can do when you trust me. And it's now paved the way for us to be able to, to as we moved here to Louisville, to, to purchase a fantastic home and begin even renovating it and all this sort of stuff. And it's so like extravagant and generous. So that has been like a, a, an amazing step along the way. But the second one that's even come to my mind too, as you were saying that is where we're at right now. Just mm-hmm. literally, I was 10 to my, my nine-year-old this morning. I was like a year ago, I was not even thinking about moving to Kentucky. It was not even Gosh. on my radar. But um, this past uh, December, my wife's uh, stepsister, sister for all practical purposes, they really grew up together, um, died unexpectedly. Just, it was one of those crazy calls you get in the middle of the night. We got it from her parents. Just, she was 34 and had a heart issue and just collapsed and was gone, left behind a husband and a six-year-old boy and a three-year-old little girl. And we were just blown away by that. But pretty soon after that, we started to sense this draw to go, we have a chance to to just really be here closer to this part of the family and love and serve them. Um, Faith has not been a real part of their life. And we've often prayed and not really sure how to, to connect with them on those levels. But this just felt like a, this is what, love does like this is where love is needed in it and to be a part of this family and all that so it was a whole new thing of like now you weren't weren't even thinking about it It was kind of enjoying our life down there in texas but how about you uproot everything and go back to a place you weren't even thinking about and honestly i wasn't i mean no slam on kentucky i just was done like i was was done we we had done our uh, stint in kentucky and even just being here and and uh, and kind of getting in even just closer to this family, which we haven't always had the strongest relationship with and everything. It's just been a whole new level of like, how will you trust me? Even when it looks like I'm uprooting your plans, mm-hmm. because again, back to that old lesson, if you'll let something die, a picture of the way that you had thought it would go, then I'll bring something, I'll bring new life out of it. So we are very much in the middle of that. I mean, we moved here but we're very much in that faith. Like I, I, I haven't seen all that life really crop up yet. It's been a lot more of like letting go for the last <laughs> few months. So <laughs> that's a little bit of where we are. Letting go. Oh yes. yeah. That is a, but you have to let go to receive, you know, that is yeah. the whole opening the hands to receive and the Lord is just blessing you guys. And as you were just talking about that story, the, the ways that God can move even through really, really intensely hard things that happen in our life. And even looking from the other side, like that, that you all get to now be more of a part of the family and love in a way that you hadn't been able to before Mm -hmm. like it is beautiful and 
God just has something so gorgeous in mm. store for you all. Like I just, I just had this sense of like, I can't wait to see what this next <laughs> chapter is going to look like for you yeah. all. You know, I can't wait. I can't wait because man, he just does it. Like he just yeah. does stuff and you go, what in the world? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, totally. The deep breath and then the, okay, Lord. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've gotten to, to live out your faith in your faith journey in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places. Um, and I know that a lot of the people that are listening, they are either firmly in ministry or firmly in a secular environment and trying to live out their faith through that. Like, what did you see? You know, you, you got to have some different um, opportunities as far as, as your jobs and employment and that kind of deal. Um, how are you seeing like faith played out within the workplace right now? Like, and I think, I think this is something, whether it's a secular environment or in a ministry environment, how are you seeing faith play out in that? Hmm. Yeah, it feels like such a different like thing for each person. Um, I, mm -hmm. one of the things that got really clear to me. So when I stepped out of ministry or church work specifically, you know, and I was in an environment that, especially I'll just say from my perspective in Austin, it was like deep in the heart of Austin, which was, which was about 180 degrees away from where I had been in the local church in terms of the, 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 the political, the social values and all that sort of stuff. And so one of the things that got clear to me really fast is I have to live as a disciple of Jesus right where I am. And my job is a part of it. I think there's just, I, I don't know if it was having done ministry or something, but I realized there, a lot of times we had kind of created this, these two categories of people who do full-time ministry, or we used to call it, you know, the best hours of your day you give to serving God. And I'm kind of like, you know, God has all the hours of my day. And if my job is not a part of my discipleship and following Jesus, then what am I doing with those eight hours? Like those are mine or, or, you know, he can do this. You know, I started to realize I was doing leadership development, like kind of programs and coaching and stuff for like community work. And I'm going, Jesus is the best leader ever. And these people need his help. So God, what do you want to, why am I here? Right. And so a lot of the programs that I built were trying to, without being super overt, because I was not in a place where that would have been very welcome, but I was giving them the principles I remember we did a whole session one time about um, kind of your beliefs and how that plays out in your life. And we started, I mean, it got as close to like a sermon as I've ever gotten, but it was so cool. And it was, you know, and these were, these are young leaders. So they were probably somewhere between like 25 and 40. That's where like the age ranges mm -hmm. that we were in and watching some of these people grapple with spiritual principles about their identity or about who they, what they believe and how that shows up in their life about if they choose to not be a person of integrity, what does that cost them later? All that sort of stuff. It was remarkable. And it was like, I remember praying as much over those lessons as I did ever when I would like do a sermon, 
Mm-hmm. And I realized I'm talking to people that would never darken the doors of a local church. These are just many of these people not on their radar at all. So that was one, that was like a good learning experience of like, Hey, you be the follower of Christ that you are right where you are. And, you know, sometimes it meant, um, I was a little bit more, uh, not necessarily clandestine, but I wasn't being super overt in like, you know, I wasn't saying like, glory, glory, hallelujah in the middle of our staff meetings or something like that. Or, hey, should we just pray about this right now? Right. It wasn't some of the overt things that we typically identify with Christian, but the faith part of it was how does God want to, because I think he's a fan of whatever it is that you're doing. If it's something good, he wants it to be done and done really well because it's going to bless and build up other people. And that was a challenge for me and a good growth thing for like, how do I bring my faith? And that may mean talking to somebody about Jesus, which I'm glad to do, but it may mean letting him sort of infuse his life and talk about the things he talked about without even necessarily giving, like referencing him in it and letting God get a hold of their hearts that way. We had had some great conversations that really came out of all that. But for me, that was kind of like a cutting edge place and seeing how it worked outside of a, a church environment. And now you are with disaster relief. You work with a ton of churches. So you are, you're in an environment where you are um, connecting churches and connecting nonprofits and, and doing all that. What are you, I mean, with that, what are you seeing in the overall church right now? Because I know that you're getting to be in communication with a ton of uh, people with your, with your current position. So what is it that you're seeing like in the overall church? today. Yeah. Yeah. That's been an eye-opening thing to really step back, especially from some of the experiences that I have But listening. I've had a lot of conversations with pastors, volunteers, church leaders over the last year. And I think the two things really ring out to me because they're so consistent that I hear. Uh, I'll start with like the harder part. And then I think the opportunity, I feel like so many churches are so distracted they feel torn in so many different directions and harried by so many different needs and opinions. And here's what we ought to be doing and not having enough resources. And it's just like, and I remember that feeling as a staff member at a church of just going, I thought we were supposed to be kind of like just about like the great commission, but I feel like I barely get around to that because of all the other stuff. And sitting there talking with pastors, it's such a, like some of the phrases they're saying, I'm like, I have said that before, like, but it's this feeling of like their inability to attend to the things they know that matter most because my attention is being pulled in so many different directions. And I don't know how to say the appropriate no's to all those things to really stay focused on it. I guess it's a little, you know, it's Martha and Mary, I guess, from that story of Jesus. It's like, there's only one thing you really need here, but we spend a lot of time not doing it or not, not giving it the attention we know that we need to. Um, so that's something I feel like, especially like post COVID there's, and, and you're also dealing with a level of fatigue and honestly discouragement. I've talked to so many pastors Mm -hmm. that are like one step away from just like, I got to get out of this because this is, they can't handle the level of division that's cropped up in their church politically and, and, Mm -hmm. and, all along all sorts of social lines in their church. And it's been such a depleting season. And yet 
there's so many needs pressing for their attention. It feels like it's very hard for them to stay focused on, on like, uh, like one or even just two things maybe that they're really supposed to be doing. So, and that's, that's been saddening to me because I know that feeling, but also I look around at our communities and I'm going, I, they feel like they need somebody who's clear and focused. They need a place where they can go. That's going to simplify some things. And I hate that that distraction feels that's in our culture, you know, that we live in that culture. That's just like over here, over here, over here, over here, look over here, over here, this, this, not this. And it feels like that has very much gotten saturated into churches, at least the ones that I have interacted with. So that I've seen that again and again, and I think it keeps them from really being who they feel called to be. It's a weird tension that they have in there. But I think simultaneously, I also see through COVID and all this, such a re either emphasis or a potential emphasis on the value of relationships. Because I think a lot of people saw we were doing a lot of work, pulling off services, programs, and all this. And then when we didn't have relationship with people beyond those events, they're not a part of this group anymore. Like that so many churches really went through like mass exodus of people like leaving and some of them are coming back and that's all great. But, you know, activity doesn't necessarily equal relationship. Um, relationships require activities. Like you have to do something together, but it's a mistake to, to think that those are the same thing. Like if we do things together, we know each other and you're like, well, maybe, maybe not. And I think a lot of churches saw our people weren't really connected to each other. They just attended a lot of things together. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's an opportunity there. There's a hunger in our culture at large after COVID and just in general, as we become more and more isolated to be in a real relationship. It's the thing that we are terrified of. Everybody is so scared of it, but it's the thing that it's like, if you starve yourself of something long enough, eventually the hunger is going to win out. And I think that's what we're seeing is that people are so hungry for that. And if churches can, can, you know, to use our language earlier, if they're, if they're willing to die to some of the activity and really reinvest that energy and relationship, I think some beautiful things can be resurrected out of that. You know, the church wasn't really, I don't think meant to be just an organization with programs and activities. It's a family right. of people. So those are things that stick out to me, having continued to work alongside them. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think that as Christians, we don't really, we're not able to model what real relationship looks like with Jesus if we are not in real relationship with each other. Right. And so being able to, and I know that even in my own heart, like from from taking moves and and all of that of going, where is, you know, I need to be in community. I need people around in order to like you're missing something there there's a serious lack and I think through COVID so many of us um I and I at, at the beginning I was like well I'm kind of an introvert so this is you know <laughs> this right, right. <laughs> but you know after after a couple of years you go oh my gosh no I need community <laughs> so bad <laughs> like exactly let me just talk to somebody <laughs> especially as a new mom. I'm like, Oh, yes, let, me yes, talk yes. To, let me please talk to an, an adult for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but understanding like, 
And, and I've, I've seen that too, just as, as, as I've gotten to travel and talk to churches, you know, work with nonprofits and all that of if we would just focus on what we're called to do yeah. and focus on Jesus, it, it, we can, some of this stuff can be removed. Like some of it can fall off. Mm-hmm being in community with each other and loving and serving the Lord in, in the ways that we're called to and being able to say no's that are, you know, not necessary. You know, I don't think people know how to say no very well. Uh, (laughs) That's a whole other topic, Uh, whole other topic. I could, I could talk about for days. Don't get me on that box, but um, so so with that, so you, you've gotten to see this, you're, you're seeing where the church is now, you're seeing, you're seeing um, some of the steps of faith that you've gotten to take out, like I'm, I'm going back all over it all, and I'm like, what, Justin, what do you, what do you see next? Like, what is, what are some of the things, like, I know you've got some things in a hopper, <laughs> like you're going, hmm, this could be, but what are some of the things that you're looking towards possibly doing like what are some of your upcoming plans thoughts mm. ideas well you know Fondness. we're talking about <laughs> church and stuff right that so that the one of the new um challenge last opportunities is i'm here in a new town mm-hmm. and I, I don't work for a church but i could go be a part of one and there's <laughs> things like that that i'm trying to figure out like what does that actually look like because <laughs> i hear you I, what you were just saying a minute ago of like, yeah, this is all about community and it's all about loving people. And I realize it all sounds really good. And I love the idea. Like it's so easy. I think when you're, when I'm talking about it to be like, I'm, I'm a community person. And then you actually walk into a room and sit down with real people. And you're like, but not these people, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's, it's always like this ideal that has to get field tested with real people. And I think that's one of the things that we're trying to figure out right now is like, so is there a community of people? Because it, it this is all a bunch of lip service if I'm not actually going to go be in relationship with people. And they're going to be real people. They're they're gonna they're gonna be self-absorbed, just like me in many ways. They're gonna have their own flaws and oddities, just like me, because I'm gonna bring that into all that. And it's so I can't idealize it. I think that's the thing that I see the opportunity for relationship. But I think I'm also about to get kind of a crash course again in, but are you willing to love, you know, real people, not just these idealized people that love hanging out with you that never seem to bring their own problems, but they're just here for you. It's like, that's almost like sitcom. It's like, that's not real. Like that right. real people are going to have real issues. And there's going to be times where I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't know that I want to be that close to you and all that, but it's the that to me is what I can't get away from. It's like, that's really what God has. That's his whole plan. <laughs> and he's really wagered a lot on it and he's not given up on it. And, uh, and in some ways too, I realized I was you know talking with court. So there's some shifting seasons in my life right now, where even mm-hmm. as I've been working with disaster relief, I've been uh, kind of on the page of going, I think there might be some transitions that are coming there. So as I'm re-looking at jobs and, and opportunities and things like that, it's, it's opening up a, well, what does it mean to, to follow God now into some new things, uh, to trust him in new ways, to be a part of this community, or just even the simple thing of one of the things that's been blowing my mind here recently is I think for many, and I don't, 
this may be a whole rabbit hole we don't need to go down, but <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about, I for many years have wanted my job to basically be equivalent to the sense of calling and ministry that I have. And I'm realizing, I don't know if those are always going to go together. And am I okay with that? I know it's awesome when they do, but I know that I really am called and to be a pastor of people, not necessarily by profession, but by spiritual gifting, by I come around people and we walk with God together. Like that's really, I've seen him use my life like that in little small groups of people again and again, doesn't have to do be preaching sermon or leading an organization. Mm -hmm. It's the investment in people. Right. And so now I'm going, well, that doesn't necessarily have to be my job. Cause I feel like God really was pretty clear with me that that's not going to be your job, <laughs> but it's still a part of my calling. So how can I live that out? By the way, if you're, if you're curious about this, there's a fantastic, one of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard, there's a little book you can get on Amazon. It's like called to business, I think is the name of it. Mm -hmm. And he does a great job of distinguishing between your ministry and your calling and your job and all like, it's just like things we tend to conflate. And I walk around and talk to so many people who want it all in one package. And if you can get it more power to you, praise God, that's awesome. But if everybody is doing that, then sooner or later, we're not going to have people who are working on the sewer system or drive buses and all these things we need to make our culture happen. So I'm really looking right now going, I don't necessarily have to have dream job. I can have a great job where I follow Christ just like I did. And how does it, how is it great? And what he's using me to do, use some of the skills and, and experiences that I have, but make sure I'm living that calling out in whatever respect, maybe at the local church, maybe it's in lots of different places. So that's kind of a new, you're like, that's not totally formed in my head, but it's something that's very much on my mind a lot of not trying to sort of, uh, demand too much from a job, mm -hmm. but let my life be a bit fuller than that. And a job can be a part of it, but I don't need to try to like, for lack of a better term, like sort of suck everything out of the job, thinking that that's going to be the end all be all mm -hmm. when I think God has a lot of different dimensions to my life that make a satisfying life when they're all brought together. So anyway, that's, yes, I love it. And y'all, I will um, link that book in the show notes. Uh, so people oh, yeah. can go Great and resource. find that. Um, and, and just on that, are there anything, is there anything that you're listening to or reading right now that you, uh, that was a great recommendation that you would recommend to people? Um, even on any of the topics that we've talked about, is there anything that you see would be awesome for people to listen to if it was a podcast or um, read, if it was a great book? Um, what are some of your recommendations on that? You know, I tend to, it's interesting. My library has gotten a little bit narrower and I don't mean that. Like I used to read all sorts of stuff all the time. And then I realized, you know, kind of like I'm, I'm a little past 40 and I'm going, man, I know I've got, I've got life ahead of me, but there's a lot of great books out there and I don't want to waste my time. <laughs> so I've started to just sort of like either find stuff that I know has had a dramatic impact on like our world um, or things that speak personally to me. And I've read and reread them. So I just, so speaking of Dallas Willard, I just read The Divine Conspiracy for literally like the 15th or 16th time. Uh, it's not an easy read, but it is the, it is so, so many of the things I'm sure I just said are distilled stupider versions of his brilliance. Uh, so that's an always uh, a fantastic one. In terms of podcasts, um, I've, I have spent more time in the past 
listening to some, uh, some of the ones that I found, I thought were like really helpful, uh, but I probably haven't listened to a whole lot of them uh, recently. Um, I, I live I, I'm almost on like a weekly basis where I'm doing Bible project all the time. I really enjoyed some of their thoughts on like kind of how to approach the scriptures and how to read it a little bit differently. Um, but uh, some of the things that I'm trying to think of, oh, resource, here's another one. If you want to put it in show notes, I recently uh-huh. ran across um, in disaster relief, if that's like a thing for you, if you're like edging right. towards prepper and all that sort of stuff. Uh, there's a great book that I like called, you probably can't see that, How to Prepare for Everything by uh, Aaron Titus. Uh, I thought that was a great resource. I'm still reading it, but it simplifies it. And again, uh, we were talking earlier, like I'm not, that was not my thing, disaster relief. I've not been a natural, um, like, like gravitated in that direction. I I feel like we were talking, I've kind of become an accidental prepper because I've been involved in this world. (laughs) And, uh, and a lot of times it can feel a little like doomsday, like, Hey, prepare for the worst. You know, it's all about to come apart. And some of that could really could be true. I don't, I don't want to take away from there's some significant, I was living in a state where we were, according to my friend uh, who works in the energy industry, we were minutes away from grid down or what they'd call a, a black start where you have to restart the power grid. That would have been like third world country for like a month or two. Gosh. So I don't want to take away from, there's some real risks out there, but this book, how to prepare for everything really brought it down to like, oh, those are, sim- there's some simple things that I can do to start making a difference and preparing. Cause I think I just realized when I was sitting there without water and power for a few days, I'm going, I have a responsibility to this family and I don't need to go build a bunker, but I could store some water and I could store some food. So there's been some things like that, that have been like good learnings for me along the way. I'm all for that. I'm like, you know, <laughs> and it's Kentucky too. I, I, I'm a fan of, Hey, let's can everything. Let's make sure we've got all of the food we can grow. You know, <laughs> Oh, in Kentucky. I mean, seriously, tornadoes and floods and yeah, there's a real need too. You got to prepare. You got to prepare. Okay. Real quick. So like, what do you see yourself? What do you, what do you see that is giving you joy these days? Like what is just like a big joy bomb in your life? No, I think it really comes for me recently because I guess we've been uh, in this move up here. So a lot of the things I had been a part of have kind of gotten stripped away the time that I've gotten with my family uh, has been really like, we've gotten, uh, we're, we're bordering on too much time together because it's been, we're living in this little apartment while our house is being ready. And uh, at times it has been a little bit stressful with three little boys and, and small space, but there's been some really like beautiful moments that uh, I feel like I have just been given the gift a few times. I don't know if you all, if you ever had that experience of where, you just get to hit almost like like slow motion in a moment and realize this is one of the main reasons why you're alive. Like this is this is one of those moments that it's so easy to just blow past because it's so normal, but it's there's a richness and a, a joy to being alive. So just hanging out and laughing with my boys over <laughs> stuff. Like we were doing that the other day and they were just laughing. And it's just, it's a gift for, I think, from God to just kind of go like, grab this moment. Don't just miss it. Don't just assume this is, uh, that you get this because a lot of people don't, and it won't always be like this. You know, they're going to grow up and they're already older than I thought. And gosh, this is really flying by. But uh, I think just, I'll just, final thought this morning. One of the biggest prayers we have for them is that they would become followers of Jesus in their own way. 
Um, it's not going to be exactly like what we've experienced, but he's going to, we're praying that he would reveal himself to our kids in their own way. None of them yet, as of yet, have made a decision to follow Christ. It's not, I wouldn't even say completely on their radar, even though we talk about it and different things like that. But this morning, I took my nine-year-old who uh, may be one of the, the, he's just a sort of a wild man at heart. Like he really is just going to go his own way in life. But he has been listening to a song that I just introduced him to on the, actually the move up here. And it's called uh, Come to the Table. It's this like side sidewalk prophet song, I think. A friend of mine introduced it to me. And I just love that. I've always liked the picture because it's such a like, everyone is welcome at Jesus' table. Like no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, mm-hmm. I need that reminder all the time. And so I just was sharing it with him. We were listening to it. And he has asked like, hey, would you put that back on? Like, And I was listening to him. He was in the back no seat. <laughs> I was listening to him in the back seat sing it as we're driving to school. And I was just so thankful to God. I was like, you've like, Lord, look at you. You're putting little seeds in his heart that maybe it'll be a long time from now uh, that they bear fruit, but he'll have those little words to come back to that, that no matter who you are, no matter where you've done, no matter what you've done, like everyone is welcome. Like he goes through this list of like, thieves and liars and and those who've been betrayed and those who betrayed and all this sort of stuff but um i don't know i just i love that god's like embedding that invitation in his heart and that has been joyful because it's not necessarily been because i've been working real hard at making that happen it's the it's back to that same lesson of like you're not in control of any of this but don't miss yeah. the fact that i am still working in and through all this so it's a little bit of the light and easy yoke Mm-hmm. But a lot of trust of like, God, I don't see a lot of progress here. And then every once in a while, you hear a nine-year-old singing about how he has a place God. at Jesus' table. So it's really cool. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. Oh, your boys. <laughs> boys. It's so good. Well, Justin, before we jump off here, is there anything like if you could leave um, my listeners with anything, what would it be? Uh, I think uh, probably like a distillation of a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is that um, you, I think maybe, well, this is probably stealing from Dallas Willard a little bit, but I think it, it kind of touches on a lot of what we've talked about. What God gets out of our lives is not the stuff we do. It's the person we become. And that's why he's more focused on relationship. And that's why um, even the hardest things in our life are not the end because he can draw beautiful things about us as a person out of that. And I think that's the thing that I just, I have to keep coming back to all the time. And I would, I would urge and ask anyone, especially if they're in a hard place right now, going, it's not just about the stuff you're doing. It's about the person you're becoming. That'll go on forever. And it's a great simplifying place to come back to, especially in a world that is really distracted with a lot of stuff that maybe you think you ought to do or people are telling you you have to do and all that's going to fall away one day and you're going to realize the only thing that's going to move forward is who you became and that's what god's been focused on all along oh my gosh justin beautiful i have just i've loved getting to have this talk with you and and i love that my people will get to hear this too 
Mike, and love you all a ton. <laughs> ton, ton, ton. You all, I will, um, I will link all of those things. I'll, I'll link the song too in this, in the, um, oh yeah, great the, song. In the show notes. And gosh, Justin, you'll have to come back, and we'll do like part <laughs> Absolutely. two. Thanks what for having doing? me. What's he doing? What's he stepping out in this time? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But thank you so much, Justin, for being here. And you all, I will see you next week. 